every day as we drive through Mushi, a suburb in Lagos State in Nigeria's southwest region, our senses are assaulted by unsightly and stinky heaps of waste that have taken over virtually all public spaces in Mushi, including what should be the pedestrian walkways, now permanent garbage disposal sites. We hold our breath as we pass in a losing battle with the stench that hoozes from the refuse sprawled across roads, marketplaces, walkways, and on the streets. Conspicuously sitting by the roadsides are refuse disposal trucks belonging to the Lagos State Waste Management Authority, LOMA. But alas, they are not functioning. Mushi is not the only place in Lagos where public places have become an eyesore due to the indiscriminate dumping of refuse and waste. Major public places in cities across states in Nigeria have become de facto refuse disposal spaces. One that came under scrutiny recently is Aba Ngwa Road in Abia State, the southeastern region of the country. Despite efforts by state governments to rid the environment of refuse and waste, nothing seems to be working. Nigeria generates an estimated 32 million tons of waste per year, one of the highest amount in Africa. Of that figure, plastic constitutes 2.5 million tons. Expectedly, in addition to the assault on our senses and the damage to the environment, this level of untreated waste poses a serious threat to public health. Hello and welcome to NOW, a general news podcast which examines the significant stories in and about Nigeria. I am Bumi Yekini. Secretary to Abia State Government, Chris Ezim, says the state has redoubled efforts to clean the environment due to the rainy season. The level of waste to collect at this period is on the increase. So to that extent, they have to equally increase what they are doing. The volume is going to increase, so you have to do more work, you have to be on treatment. Environmentalist and president of Waste Management Society of Nigeria, Professor Oladele Oshibanjo, says recycling used phones is now a lucrative business. If you have one million mobile phones, you will get 11 uh, kilograms of gold. That is why you will not see mobile phones anymore. People are selling them. Reggae artist Oge Kimono says originality and creativity is the source of greatness. Hold on to the most high because he is the giver of life. You know, and you know, whatsoever you do, be original. Do not try to be somebody else. Perseverance, hard work pays, you know. There is no shortcut to success. One of the most densely populated states in Nigeria is Abia State, in southeastern region of the country. And according to a periodic report on pollution done by the World Health Organization from 2011 to 2015, Abia State is one of the most polluted states in the world. Till date, areas like Portacot Road by rail in Aba, Ubakala Junction by Aba Portacot Road, Umahia, Ngwa Road and other areas have become refuse dumps in the state. What exactly is the state's Environmental Protection Agency doing to keep the state clean? And what are some of the challenges faced by the agency while carrying out its functions? These were some of the questions Juliet Obata asked the secretary to the state government, Chris Ezim. Actually, in respect of 
Waste Management. We have an agency we call ASEPA, Abia State Waste Management Disposal Agency. ASEPA is in charge of waste disposal and for purposes of efficiency and effectiveness, we are divided into two main groups. You have the APA and uh, you have Omaha. You have a third leg or half year squat or dependent area. You have people manning the different areas. And what we've done is that you have established dumps in these areas like APA, like Omaha. We have compactors, we have tractors doing collections on daily basis. They collect this waste. The waste are in buckets. You have buckets positioned in different areas. You have other waste collecting boxes positioned in different areas. So residents within those areas put their waste together, drop them in those buckets, while our own uh, uh, staff with the tractors go to those places and pick them on daily basis and go to offload them at the dumps. The dumps are located in the outskirts so that it does not have any effect within the neighborhood. And they are treated regularly with chemicals and fumigated at regular intervals. So that is the process we are carrying out now. We do collection from houses, collection from various points, and then take them to the dump. And that way we'll be able to keep the environment as clean as we can. And I don't think we are doing badly for now. You may say that, but it, it doesn't really appear that everywhere is actually spanking clean because these places like um Portacot yeah. Road by yeah. Rail yeah. Aba yeah. let me mention let me mention the places Portacot Ro- uh, Road by Rail Aba Ubakala Junction by Rail Ubakala Junction by Aba Portacot Road Umaya then EC Gates by Umuaya Road and World Bank Housing Estate. Those places, you know, they become refuse dumps in Abia. What exactly is the work of um, Abia State Environmental Protection Agency? Okay, if you follow, I, I can tell you authoritatively that a few days ago, I had held a meeting with um, all the management team in both Abia and Umuaya and um, for the need to step up what we are doing, particularly as you have the rainy season here. Today is Tuesday, I think on Friday, we had a very long meeting where we have to consider the need that we are in the rainy season. And the rainy season brings about increased um, deaths here and there. If you watch, for example, this is the only farming period. People are selling maize on the streets and everywhere. This is the only rainy season where you have a lot of flood that brings out some things from the gutter and so on. The level of waste to collect at this period is on the increase. So to that extent, they have to equally increase what they are doing. The volume is going to increase, so you have to do more work. You have to be on the The whole of this weekend, a lot of people were on the streets working, working throughout the weekend. I can send you the videos. So, but I'm taking note of the areas you've mentioned now, and I'm going to attend to them immediately, immediately. And I want to assure you that, um, but so far, I think we are not doing badly. I also know that um, the Abia State Environmental Protection Agency last December launched a, a door-to-door uh, project about collecting uh, refuse from door-to-door. How is that project going? It's still on. It's still on. It's on. It's on. It's on. But you can equally, you can equally not say, um, why we are doing our best as an agency, you, the human factor is equally there. Some people yeah. will just come out 
even where you have the bucket, they will pour the refuse on the road. Are there Some penalties? Will come out with right now, even yeah. in the night, they will dump it on the road. Are there penalties so for people like that? Are there penalties for people like dumping refuse? If, if you if you dump it in the night by 10 p.m. or 9 p.m., who's going to see you? <laughs> you won't see the person. Are you getting me? You won't see the person. So this is a human factor. This is indiscipline. Uh, so uh, uh, but we'll do, we'll do our best to keep the environment clean. I've noted all the areas we mentioned now, and I'll call them right away and with the right act. Okay. So is the agency properly funded? Do you have any issues with um, the management? Funding is there? Are there any issues that you like to talk about? We don't about? have any issue. We don't have any issue. We don't have any issue. So there what are, there what are, are your major there's challenges? No there's no time. There's no government agency, including federal, that is completely funded. But whatever we government is giving is regular, and we are managing it within our limits and to do our best. Nobody is completely funded in anywhere in the world. Okay, so what what um, mechanisms have you put in place to ensure that you know these people that are meant to clean up these areas, that they are actually being monitored and they are doing what they are supposed to do? There are inspectors. There are inspectors going around to check. And I'm going to call them now and give this... How, how, often do they go to, how often do they go to check? Because I also hear that Ungwa Road is in a very bad shape. Which what? Is in very bad shape. Yeah. Ungwa Road. Mm -hmm. So how often do, do these inspectors... It's the only Ungwa Road that we have that exists in There are so many places now. So if you just pick one place and that place is in very very bad shape, that doesn't mean that the sectors are not working. There are one thousand and one roads and electric collecting points in Abia. So if you just pick one place and this place is in bad shape, does that totally rule out the fact that the inspectors are not going to do their side checks? It doesn't. It's a different thing to ask people to do something, ask inspectors to monitor, and they actually do it. How do we ensure that these things are really implemented? And I'm telling you that they are doing it. I'm telling you that they are doing it. That's what they are paid for. They are doing it. They are doing it. And we, are, and we keep ensuring and checking and putting some checks here and there. Myself, once in a while, I drive around and check. I do. So we'll keep doing our best. Public health experts are worried that if the trend of indiscriminate dumping of refuse is not curtailed, there may be an outbreak of diseases. I spoke with Dr. Doi Ogunyemi, a public health physician and a general secretary of the Association of Public Health Physicians of Nigeria, Lagos State Chapter, who explains what she thinks is responsible for the indiscriminate disposal of refuse. There's a lot of proliferation of buildings, so people are turning places that do not have any urban planning yet into where they would live, and so the waste must be generated and you have a discriminate um, disposing of waste. Apart from that, the fact that there are more industries, so industrialization itself is producing a lot of waste, the different kinds of waste that will pollute the air more and all of that. There's also the problem of people being ignorant as well. They do not know the effect of this improper waste disposal. So there's the part where the individual is at fault, but there's also the part where it is about the what the government has put in place. The waste that is being produced daily by Lagosians. Why I say that it is both the individual and the government is that this same Nigeria, as we have said, and we have said Nigerian culture, when we get to more developed areas and um, live there, they will not, you know, trash their wasting discriminately because they know that there are penalties to doing such. 
and there's also availability of um, waste disposal methods that is easily accessible for people. So those are the reasons why they won't behave the same way when they are outside the country in more developed areas. First, on the individual not being um, responsible enough and also the fact that um, the provision is not enough and there are no penalties to such um, indiscriminate behaviors. Okay, uh, what are the dangers or implications of this kind of attitude? There are quite some implications to this attitude. First and foremost is the fact that it is very, very unsightly. It is unsightly to see um, waste all over the place. You know, it is aesthetically, it is not um, helpful. Secondly, also is the fact that it has a lot of health implications. So some of the waste that are disposed, especially um, waste from the home, attract rats and other kinds of rodents, insects, and even animals. And this is what leads to diseases such as um, that we have, um, such as typhoid fever, where flies will go there, take take um, dirt, and then put it on people's food. So typhoid fever, Lassa fever, um, gastrointestinal diseases, diarrheal diseases in general, even waterborne diseases are caused from this kind of um, waste disposal. Another aspect is air pollution. So some of these waste leads to air pollution, especially um, industrial waste. And air pollution means that you, you have increased the air with more dangerous um, kinds of gases that in later life may lead to an increase in things like cancer. So people begin to have lung cancer and they can't tell why it's on the rise. What about water pollution? These waste sometimes find their way into water and that is the water that people will drink and that itself will cause, um, you know, the waterborne diseases we have, we have talked about. So it also causes um, blockage of drainage. And when waste gets into drains that ordinarily should let water flow, especially in rainy season like we have now, it gets blocked and you have flooding. And we know the effect of flooding. The effect of flooding itself can cause people to lose their lives, lose their property, and cause so much uh, damage to the area. So generally, I mean, there's a lot we can do. There are the three hours where they say that we should reuse waste, okay, reduce waste and recycle. So starting with um, reuse, there are many things that don't have to be thrown away that you can actually use again. And because of that, it doesn't get thrown out. Reduce, meaning that even when you have waste, you can make it into much smaller quantities that can be easily um, disposed of. And of course, recycle, which is really something we've not tapped into a lot. Recycling of waste can also save um, in general what happens to our waste. But we need to provide more awareness to people on the fact that waste not properly disposed is dangerous both to themselves and to people around them, and also to appeal to our leaders to do much more in terms of waste disposal. So what are the measures necessary to help rid the environment of the indiscriminate disposal of refuse? I think to a large extent, you know, Lagos State over the years has, has really tried with this, but the waste is so much more than... Um, the effort at the moment. So ensuring that the waste is properly um, taken is at a faster rate than we have now so that it doesn't build up. 
anywhere that is going to become a settlement, obviously means that waste to be generated. So we can also ensure that such places have their own um, central points for, for waste to be put into so that um, it can be packed quickly and regularly. At the same time, we also have to start this education right from our schools, begin to tell students even in schools about health education and what to do with waste so that as we grow older, there's this culture that we shouldn't you know, openly burn waste, we shouldn't openly dump waste. If everybody becomes responsible like that, we're going to have a better society. We can be get past each other. You see somebody throwing waste out of their car, you can let them know that, no, this is not um, correct thing to do. So if we create such awareness, it's going to go a long way in helping people manage their waste. To the ordinary man on the street, waste is material to be thrown away because it doesn't have any intrinsic value. But to an environmentalist, waste is valuable material in the wrong place. I spoke with Professor Oladele Oshibanjo. He is an international consultant to United Nations agencies like UNICEF and UNIDO on the issue of waste as well as environmental pollution. He is also the president of Waste Management Society of Nigeria. It tells me that waste management is a solution to environmental pollution. The world has gone beyond waste disposal. What the world does now is what we call waste management. You don't just dispose, you will collect the waste, okay? You collect your waste, then you transport it to a location where you can, even right from the house, where the waste is being generated. People should do uh, what we call waste classification you should have different containers for different waste there should be a container for plastic there should be a container for metal there should be a container for paper and so on and so forth so then it's very easy when the waste collectors come they know paper food waste and so on they should then just go and treat them but unfortunately what we have the waste collectors to are themselves not properly trained what you have separated at home, when they get to their sample uh, collection, I mean, where they manage their material recovery facility, what has been separated from the home, they mix them up again and start separating them again, which is more time and more, uh, more expensive. Practice waste management and not waste disposal. So what does that mean again? That's what we call waste hierarchy in waste management. So before you decide what to do with waste, the first question is, how can I reduce this waste, the generation? You want to see, or how can I even avoid it? What we call waste avoidance. Let's talk about the culture of recycling in Nigeria and what is the awareness level? Now, we are moving into 21st century, where waste is as good as gold. And... Uh, you will see that plastic is disappearing because people are selling them to be recycled. There are a lot of people now recycling plastic or water sachets, so there's a market for it. So in which case, it's no more a waste because there are uptakers. People are going to take it up. So that's why I'm saying somebody who knows the value of waste who can convert into another raw material or into another product will not cut its waste. To him, it's a raw material. What you are saying, waste. For example... If you go into a dump site, 
You will see a lot of old phones, mobile phones, many years ago. Now you won't find it because there's a market. You go to Computer Village, Alaba Market, because of awareness. So part of the problem of waste management is poor awareness of the value of waste. But that is changing. Well, uh, I can tell you without hesitation, I've worked in many parts of the country doing research on waste. Uh, I've worked on waste in the Niger Delta, oil and gas. And one pet waste I've been working on now for the past 10, 15 years is electronic waste. That is a sweet material. Before, if you get to many homes, you will see a lot of old computers abandoned. Nobody is using them. People just put one on top of the other. Before, too, you find old radiograms at home. People can't repair them. They forget about them. But that is changing. I can tell you today that your mobile phone is a great asset. It contains precious metals like gold, silver. You can quote me. If you have 1 million mobile phones, you will get 11 uh, kilograms of gold. That is why you will not see mobile phones anymore. People are selling them. They will remove the plastic, which they can sell. That's another matter because the plastic is dangerous to your health. Then they break it up. And in the circuit board of your mobile phone, quote me, gold is there, silver is there, so many precious metals. So people are making money from mobile phones. But many of us are ignorant of this. We just dash it out or give it out. You see some people say, yeah, I'm collecting a mobile phone. It's selling gold. That's what it's doing. The same thing happens to your computer. That's why computer village is beaming with people. It's, it's, because they, 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 there's a big market there. So awareness. But before... The mobile phones, too, were being dumped at a, at a refuse dump like Ulusosum uh, uh, and all, all over Lagos. Even in Ibadan, people burn them in the evenings. They will tell you we don't burn. They burn them in the evenings. I will advise that people should never, underline, never recycle plastic from electronic waste, from computer, from mobile phones. Why? That plastic contains... Dangerous heavy metals like mercury, like lead, like cadmium, which can cause cancer. There, and then you will see that uh, when you put on your phone or your laptop, they have the cash fire. The plastic of your mobile phone and your laptop and your uh, desktop have been predicted with what we call uh, brominated flame retardants. That chemical is ingrained there. It will never allow it to catch fire. Now, when you now take that plastic, you start to use it to make uh, plastic for food. You are transferring those chemicals from the plastic of the electronics into food products. Oge Kimono is a reggae artist and daughter of late reggae star Ras Kimono. She philosophically carries the burden of keeping an inherited legacy with an innate ambition of reaching for the skies. She shares with Abdul Okwecheme the mixed interest in carving out an image from her intimidating father's legacy. Well, it has been a task and it has been a blessing at the same time. It has been, uh, I keep saying there can only be one Ras Kimono. Oge Kimono cannot be 
Rice Kimono, but Oge Kimono can only build on the existing platform that Rice Kimono has left, you know, and that's is to say carrying on the legacy. So on that note, I mean, before my father passed on, I thankfully I had been into the music for a while and also doing the same genre of music. So it hasn't been that difficult, you know, aligning my own ideologies with his. And so far, so good. I can only be thankful to the Most High that even after his demise, his band of over 25 years, uh, still deemed it fit to continue the legacy with me. So the band, the Massive Dread Band, is still intact working with Oge Kimono. Will you say this is a blessing or more of a burden? You know, what I mean by a burden is that you have to now live up to that expectation that the man has left. No, I would say it's a blessing, you know, a blessing being that, I mean, God never gives you more than you can bear, you know. Jah will only give you a task or a responsibility because he knows that you are up to it, you know. If Jah didn't think I was up to it, then it wouldn't have happened this way, you know. So I wouldn't call it a burden, I would call it a blessing. And also, luckily for me, I mean, the members of the band are very, very understanding and very supportive, you know, and it's been, it's been a joyful ride. Talking about living up to it, will you say that you have matched, I mean, in your father's early stages of his career, have you been able to match that type of things that he did early in life? Are you writing your own songs now and are you going to turn them out? Definitely, I'm writing my own songs. I have released my debut album last year on the 10th of June, which also marked his first year anniversary. And I had been on tour, touring that album, taking it around Nigeria. Unfortunately, this year, we haven't really done a lot because of the pandemic, you know. But yeah, I mean, so far, so good. I have been able to do the best that I can, you know, in sustaining the legacy. I mean, it's a tough call, especially the genre of music that we do, which had fizzled out for a bit in Nigeria, you know, and it had been on a revival mode ever since my father came back from the U.S. And definitely, you know, I would say that Jah has been on my side and I have been able to keep the stride, you know, keep the fire blazing. Talking about reggae music, the whole airwaves and the industry is engulfed with hip-hop or what you did I call afro-pop or afro-beats as it were. How has the competition been like, I mean, trying to survive in the midst of all of this? For the longest time, you know, the genre has been seriously uh, lagging behind in terms of not having the kind of attention it used to back in the days. And reasons being the collective fault, you know, both from the musicians to the promoters of music to the media people, you know. Reggae music hasn't been played on airwaves the way it used to be played, you know. It doesn't have that amount of publicity like it used to. And that is a collective fault from everyone. Uh, I think the younger generation of reggae musicians probably don't put in enough work. You earlier on mentioned something about the pandemic that uh, has slowed down the promotion of your album. But is there any takeaway you got uh, from this pandemic period? What is the lesson you learned? Well, just search deep, you know, dig deep into yourself. You know, this, this pandemic has actually, you know, made everybody realize. For me, it has been a soul-searching moment. It has been a reflective moment, you know. And so far, so good. What I've taken out of it is, don't take life too serious, you know. Be yourself, be original, be kind to one another, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, the greatest commandment that has given us mankind is to love ourselves, you know. 
You talked about digging deep. That presupposes that you, the adversary, must have been digging deep. What have you dug out? So far, so good. My digging deep has been a spiritual journey, you know, digging deep into myself, knowing more about myself. My purpose is on earth, you know, and what it is for me as a musician to be a voice, you know, <clears throat> to be a voice that people can reckon with, you know. Digging deep has basically been a self-reflecting moment. And what would be your message to your fans and the listeners? Well, my message is simple, you know, hold on to the most high because he is the giver of life, you know, and you know, whatsoever you do, be original. Do not try to be somebody else. Perseverance, hard work pays, you know. There is no shortcut to success, you know. Success, the road is narrow, it's tedious, trust me, it is rough. But when you hold on to the most high, you have him as a shield and buckler. Take every lesson with you, you know, take it and turn it something positive. Yeah, on the final note, the society now is faced with cleansing up of the society because of the pandemic. What advice will you give to us as Nigerians, I mean, in terms of cleansing up our environment and all of those? There is a saying that says, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's what they say. It. You know, and so far, this pandemic, if it has not touched anybody Anything you should have taught you that keeping a good hygiene is something. And that's it on this episode of Now. I am Bumi Yekini.